dispatch. Packets of fire all around. Dear Chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Wrapping up the season of Dear Chiefs today as we prepare for a busy few months ahead for both of us. To help us tie this whole thing up with a pretty little bow, Dr. Morgan Cutlip joins us to talk about how to avoid burnout as the default parent and first responder families. She'll also share with us about her new book that's coming out in September, Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. We are so excited to have you on the show, so thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So exciting. Okay. Dr. Morgan Cutlip knows what it feels like to lose yourself in motherhood, and she's determined to help mothers navigate it better. Throughout her career, she's helped hundreds of thousands of people worldwide learn how to form and maintain healthy relationships. Dr. Morgan's been featured as a relationship expert with Teen Vogue, New York Times, Women's Health Magazine, National Loveology, and Flow, the number one app in health and fitness, and is the author of two books, Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself and The Mother Load. We're so excited. I have to say I'm a little star truck because we've been following you on Instagram for quite a while and we love all the things you're putting out into the world and particularly when it comes to communication with our partners. Thank you. Those are like gold, solid gold. So <laughs> It's hard, isn't it? It's so hard. It's so hard. I am not in a first responder family, but I have a husband who is gone. Like we just wrapped up a 15 week travel stretch where every single week he was gone at least three days. Um, Some weeks he was gone the whole week. And so I feel like it's a similar dynamic of like that in and out, in and out. And you're like, I'm in my flow without you. You come in and you interrupt me. And like now I got to adjust to one more body in the house. And so I feel like I can get in your world around that. And that communication piece becomes so important. I mean, always in relationships, but especially when you're navigating those transitions so often. Yeah. And it can be really tough, especially if they're not able to like get on the phone or on FaceTime or whatever, like we hear about it all the time. Like they're in busy stations. They can't pick up a phone. They can barely tech. It can be tough. So yeah. so then like in those situations, it's we do this in all of our relationships, but we sort of have this mental picture of our partners in our head that we create. I mean, we've been doing it since we were babies. We create these pictures in our heads of objects. That's how we know that they exist when we like close our eyes and things like that. But we create this picture of our partners in our head that is based on, you know, it's, it's based on like a little bit of what we know, like a little bit of fact, but mostly it's based on our opinions about what we know. So it's like, oh, you do X, Y, or Z, that's a fact, but I have a judgment about it. And this is how we kind of shape this picture in our minds. And we like focus on some parts of it and minimize others. And something that I think happens a lot when you don't have the ability to communicate much with your partner, if they're like out of pocket, my husband will be in meetings. It's totally different than what a first responder's day looks like, but we'll be in meetings. It's like, we can't talk to each other. Something big happens at school with the kids. Like I can't pick up the phone always and tell him what's going on. But in those scenarios, especially 
we are so interacting with that partner in our head and filling in the blanks and making assumptions and jumping to conclusions. And if we are in a bad spot, because the last time they were home, things didn't go well, or our communications kind of sucked lately, chances are that picture in our mind becomes real negative real fast. It's always when they're on the, you know, 35 day fire and we're all like, oh, they're just out with their bros, <laughs> hanging out, roasting marshmallows, having so much fun. When in reality, they're working their tails off and they want to come home and they're hungry and they're tired and they're cranky and they're stanky and they just want to be at home with their family. But we think they're out having fun without us and we're hanging with the bros like it's dude time. (laughs) I know. I'll get like my trigger. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's like my thing. That thing like we're in charge of our attitudes, not our partners. And so it becomes really important that we keep them in check. But I cannot stand it. I don't know why. But when I am not with my husband and he's been gone for a while and they do have nice like fancy dinners and they do the things so mm, whatever well that's for another podcast episode but when he texts me back just a thumbs up emoji I, I'm like ooh, I don't like that at all there's something about it and he means nothing negative but it's totally like that picture in my head being like huh I'm just pretty dismissive like thumbs up Got it. Roger that. I'm like, oh, it sends me every single time. But like, imagine if you did that at home, you're just asking him a question or he answers and just hit you a thumbs up. You'd be like, what? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's partly because our lives become like, and our conversations become so logistical when we're apart. And I think that's part of it where it feels like the icing on the cake, sort of the logistical dynamic we have going on when he's away. So Yep. That's mine. That's my confession. So relatable. So relatable. And Apple didn't help us when they, they let us respond now with emojis to I know. messages. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> Thumb, yeah. There's a thumbs up reply and then there's the thumbs up on your message, right? <laughs> okay, you can just get it a barrage of thumbs up. Okay. Back to reality here, Back guys. Back to reality. Um, yeah. They kind of answered our question, but not really. Our first question is always tell us a little bit more about yourself and your family. I'm like, I just volunteered it. Okay, so I have my doctorate in psychology and I have specialized in relationship education. So I did see clients for a while, but really my work has been around creating educational content. I worked for a long time with my dad, creating courses for singles, couples, families, and teaching people how to have healthy and loving and lasting relationships. And so my skill set is really around taking psychological concepts and research and things like that and translating them into practical tools. So that's something that's really important to me. If you can't actually imagine how you use something in your daily life, then I don't feel like you can actually change anything. So it's really important to me that what I talk about, whether it's here on my account or in products I create, that's very practical. So I'm a like stay at home working mom. That's like a thing these days. So I, uh, we have two kids, Effie, who is almost 10 and Roy, who's seven. They are named after family members, which is why they sound geriatric. And let's see, we homeschool part-time. So life feels pretty busy. And my husband's name is Chad. And we met in high school and we broke up for a really long time before we got back together. I always say that because like I lose street cred. People are like, oh, she just married her high school sweetheart. She didn't know about anything relationships. Like, no, no, no. We broke up for a while. We got back together from Ohio originally. We live in Southern California now. And my work has sort of shifted a bit um, to be more focused on moms. I knew that when I started working with relationships 
in, in my work with my dad many, many years ago. Someday I want to do something to help moms or to help women. I just didn't know exactly what that looked like. And then I became a mom and it was way more difficult than I anticipated. I went in thinking I had it figured out and I was like, that's it. Someday when I come up for that's I want to help moms navigate this differently. And so that's where my book comes into play called Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. And it's a plan to help moms basically like how we balance caring for ourselves while we're caring for everyone and everything else. But it's a practical plan, not a list of more things to do. Okay, so we want to know what your definition of the default parent is. The default parent. So, yeah, the default parent is really, I mean, you always get one guy who comes at you when you say this, and that's okay. So everybody's welcome in this conversation. <laughs> but research tells us, studies tell us that um, predominantly default parents tend to be tend to be women, tend to be moms. And it's the person who, it's assumed everything falls on them. Everything is owned by them. And then it's like their job to delegate. I feel like that's kind of the main gist of the default parent is like, things aren't optional for the default parent. It's like, if I'm not doing it, nobody else is doing it. But then my partner, a lot of times it can feel like they can, you know, decide when they want to step in, when they want to help out, when they want to contribute a little bit more, things feel a lot more optional to them. So if you're a first responder spouse or significant other and you have children, you are the default parent by design. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I think that's like missing from the conversation around default parents is like, like I shared my husband travels like most of the time. I mean, I talk about the mental load all the time. Most of them I don't have someone to share it with um, or for shift workers or, you know, first responders, or we do a lot of work with the military. I mean, they're gone sometimes a year. So, you know, the conversation changes, right? When you're, when you don't have somebody to share the load and the responsibilities with. Absolutely. We've actually just been talking a lot about that on our Instagram the last couple of days. And um, it's amazing how people don't know that they're the default parent or why they're the default parent or what to do as the default parent and how to <laughs> deal with it. So I guess we want to talk about how our first responder families can avoid burnout when they are the default parent, when they're always home, they're the constant in their kids' lives, and sometimes they don't get relief at home. I mean, you just touched on a very big aspect of the military is sometimes they're gone nine to 12 months yeah. at a time. So, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this is like a big conversation and I wrote a book about it, but I, first I want to say this is that um, I think I mean, we, we can kind of like define burnout on a spectrum, right? You can be like totally rock bottom, very burnt out, like completely disassociating from life, like really in a bad spot or kind of how we talk about it more on social media and things like that is this looser term of burnout when you are just completely zapped, you're running out of energy, you're more likely to be dysregulated, lose it emotionally, your creativity starts kind of, you can't even access it. Um, you're forgetting things a lot, right? These are like the pathway to like the official burnout. So I think one thing that's important to say is that I actually think in, in our culture and the way that we do things, if you are a first responder spouse, uh, in some ways we have to sort of normalize that sometimes you will get burnt out because a lot of times you're like, how do you avoid it? And it's like, well, then if we're really doing all these things to avoid it and then we find ourselves burnt out, we're like, I did everything right. 
what's the matter with me? What am I missing wrong? And then we go on this quest of like, how do we, you know, figure everything out so the stars align and we never become burnt out again. So I just want to normalize it. It happens. There are seasons of life that we just are really like white knuckling it through. And so try to remove the judgment if you find yourself burnt out, because that actually uh, self-criticism, self-judgment contributes to burnout. So it's like, let's, let's at least take that off off the table and give ourselves some relief there. So the way that I approach burnout is that we have to get good at managing our relationship with ourselves. And so that sounds really confusing, honestly, when I say that. But if we think about how moms operate in the world, we are like the best managers of all the things and all our relationship. We manage our relationship with our kids. We're like, oh, you know, so-and-so seems like a little off lately. I should make a mental note. I'm going to check in with them, see what's going on. Uh, Our son's not making as many friends at school, something going on. I'm going to check in with them. We're managing that relationship. We manage our relationship with our partner. Hey, how you doing out there? Are you alive? Like, you okay? What's going on? We need to get some time together. That usually falls on us. We manage our social calendars, our responsibilities, the stock of toilet paper in the home. Like, we are so good at it. And we don't often apply those same skills to ourselves. So we are the relationship that gets neglected. And so my approach to burnout is like a holistic approach, which is that we have to get really good at checking in, doing like a self-assessment or self-check-in on a relationship with ourselves. And then in that moment, deciding, okay, I've identified the issue. This is what I can do about it. And I'm going to do it right now because we can talk specifics. This is something I can do right now. Or it's I'm going to identify the issue and at least I've defined it. And I'm going to say, I'm going to put a pin in it. I'll come back to it later. This is not a good time. But when you define something that offers immediate relief, it's that feeling of like, what the heck's going on with me? I'm so overwhelmed. I feel terrible. That's where we use a lot of energy and feel really awful. But when we can say, ah, I see what's going on with me. This is exactly what it is. And I can't do anything about it quite yet, but I'm going to make a plan to get to that later. So I think part of it is getting into this regular practice of checking in with ourselves. And, you know, I need a better example, but you can do the self-check-in. It's it's actually the plan that I give in my book. I give a plan for self-check-in. You can do it in as long as it takes you to go to the bathroom. I mean, it does not need to be an event. It's like I'm doing dishes and you just for a moment let your mind wander. Hey, don't take your phone to the toilet and scroll on Instagram for 10, 15 minutes where you're just like hiding behind a closed door. <laughs> but check in with yourself. What do you need? How is your attitude towards yourself? How are you talking to yourself? That is a huge area of energy drain that a lot of us struggle with. So that's my general approach. I love it. Actually, don't take my phone into the bathroom because when it's icky, it's so gross. It's just icky. I just, I don't want to use it in the bathroom. It's just gross. gross. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people do though. I watch it. I watch people like get up, grab their phone. (laughs) No. But that's so good. I think I, I talk to myself all the time and my husband makes fun of me because he's like, are you talking to me or are you talking to yourself? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm talking to myself because I'm going through everything in my brain, like all the things I have to do. And then when I start to spiral, I'm like, wait a minute, rein it in. Like, let's yeah. calm it down. But it's taken me years to practice that. And that's one of yeah. the things I think we talk about this a lot. Well, in my house, we do about instant gratification because our kids are so used to getting stuff immediately, right? But that's not how it works when you're trying to check in with yourself and figure out your own body and mind. It takes a long time because Mm -hmm. you're constantly changing. And especially like with our teenagers, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, no, you're not going to figure it out 
in five minutes, it's going to take you a while to figure out what is happening and how to stop it. So that's another thing. Be patient with yourself because there's a lot, right? There is a lot. And I think, you know, it's such a good point of like how we are wired for this instant gratification. I mean, younger generations for sure. And then we're sort of kind of there too, in many ways with how much time we spend, I mean, on our phones and kind of getting that, that hit or even like how we consume television and stuff. Now it's like, we can just anything at any time. It's absolutely crazy. So I think, you know, having some grace and some self-compassion is really important. I also think too, you know, typical approaches to burnout, they're very like heavy on the physical side of things like on our bodies. It's like um, deep breathing exercises, yoga, like there's a lot of the um, sensory stuff out there, which is super valuable, right? Of like heavy lifting and I don't know, different, different suggestions like that, or even like the more surface level ones, like go get your nails done, go do these things. These will help you with burnout. And I think, you know, something that's really important to me is that we expand this definition of what it means to really care for ourselves in ways that help prevent or help us recover from burnout to include things that are just not physical. And when we talk about physical, I think we miss it sometimes. Women have the highest rates of autoimmune disease for lots of possible reasons, but also uh, we ignore a lot of pain. I think a lot of us function with regular aches and pains that we're like, mm, I don't have time. I don't have time to deal with that. I don't know. I don't know. Ugh, what I got to see a functional medicine doctor now. Like, I don't even know what to do about this. Or I don't have time to go to the chiropractor or like whatever it might be. We ignore stuff. So part of the physical as well is listening to our body. What Our bodies send us signals all the time. And we are usually so tuned out that we aren't picking up on them. We aren't listening and we aren't responding in ways that are important. But I think this idea of care and how we manage our relationship has to include other things like how we think about ourselves, how we form our self-concept. That's a huge one. I talked about that picture in our minds of our partner. Well, we have one of ourselves. You can sort of imagine it just to give a visual as like a caricature drawing that we do where you exaggerate certain qualities and minimize others. And so if you even just take a minute and think like, oh, wow, like how have I sketched that picture of myself and what do I accentuate and what do I minimize? And a lot of times we accentuate negative things and we focus in on those. And so shifting your focus in the moment is a really powerful intervention to help you prevent or recover from burnout as well that I don't really hear talked about much. Yeah, for sure. Perspective. Yeah. How can the parent that is away help prevent burnout for the default parent? (laughs) Okay. That's a great question. So I think that there are a lot of things they can actually do. Um, especially in today's day and age where there are so many accessible resources, but it just requires some creativity that sometimes people aren't willing to put into these situations. So the easiest grab, the partner that's away can offer verbal affirmations and support, which I've been doing um, interviews with women about the mental load. And every single woman talks about, I just need to hear that I'm like doing a good job and that I'm important and that and I'm appreciated which is crazy because that's so simple to give and imagine what would shift in their relationship if there was a better spirit of appreciation. So I'll start there. They can get really good at being expressive. Shoot a text during the day, like of, you know, some words of appreciation or support or even that check-in, like what's going on in your world? Because that's the thing you two are, are existing in totally separate worlds, which can further this feeling of being disconnected. So questions that show an interest to know what's going on in the family world, I think can go a long way. And especially in keeping that 
attitude toward each other really positive. So that's one. Okay, so I'll share a story that um, we were just at a military training last week. And this is so crazy. And it's gonna make every partner look bad. But this one partner, this one husband is a husband was getting ready to be deployed and he was going to be gone a year. So I know this is not the same for first responders always, but I'm going to be gone a year. So he got out a calendar and he and sat down with his phone and he looked at every important date, kids first day of school, anniversaries, birthdays, all that stuff. And he scheduled like flowers to be delivered with a little note, dinner to be delivered at the house on the day of the anniversary. I don't want you cooking on the kids birthdays had a cleaner come the day before and the day after because he knew his wife would be hustling her butt to get things ready for the party. I know. I know. I like cry every time I hear this story told. My dad will tell it sometimes. And then like he scheduled when he wanted the hedges trimmed. So he did stuff to do a couple things. One, ease her load. She wasn't like, oh crap, who does he get to, to trim the hedges? I'm not even thinking about that. Now I got to find the person. And he had it all taken care of. So he took things off her plate. And the second thing he did was that he made her feel and the family feel like a priority and practice this idea of like, you're with me and in my mind, top of mind, even when we're apart. And I think that's what I would challenge first responders who are gone to be thinking about how can I help practice this idea of presence even when I'm gone? How do I help them know that they're in my heart and in my mind even when we're separated? Uh, I've got goosebumps right now. Like it's such, It was such a nice thing, right? It was such a nice thing. And it's so easy to do. Like you said, like things are so accessible nowadays. So like, dude, call Uber Eats, guys. Right? <laughs> Send a meal. And dinner. I mean, and talk about like how grateful would you be? Like I would be blown away. Like my husband, you know, this doesn't happen for me. So don't expect, think that we have it perfectly down over in my world, but like blown away if something like this was done, right? For you, be very special. Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe on a 48 hour shift, you don't need to send dinner, but like when they're gone on a campaign fire for like 21, 30 days straight, like, come on guys, send your person some pizza. Do it. Do it. I'll take pizza over flowers also, just so you know. Okay. I would take dinner over flowers any any day. day. Any day. Cause that's like the cleanup and like all Mm -hmm. the the shopping, all of it. Yep. Yeah. You can have groceries delivered as well. Like there is a whole lot you can do. Yeah. Also there's these really cool things they're robot vacuums. Just buy one. Just Just buy one. one. (laughs) We could just go on the whole time with ideas. Buy a robot vacuum. Send a cleaner over, right? Just dude. I don't like, I'm one of those kind of people. I don't want a housekeeper in my house. I don't want people in my house when I'm not here or like people I don't know in my house. So my (laughs) husband offered to like get me a housekeeper. I was like, no, Let's just buy a RoboVac because then you are missing out. No, <laughs> every no, I can just schedule it every day to run, and then I don't have to sweep. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. well, you have a lot of dogs too, so you and I have a lot of dogs. Yeah, I'm, I just don't want people at my house. I get it. <laughs> I, no, I know people that's, like that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, welcome to my house. Come in. Yes, you can exactly. live here that's if me. you would like. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you the guest room. Okay. Just, <laughs> Just, just help me. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. That, those are awesome tips, actually. I, I think those are like the best things I've heard on this podcast yet. Like, <laughs> Thank so you. So good. Okay. So let's talk about creative ways to keep communication lines open when they're not with us. I feel like more than anything, this is, do you want know to say if I say there's like a vibe that partners give off that say whether they're open to communication or not? There's like a tone. There's a feeling in our relationships that we cultivate. I hear from 
from women all the time who are like, anytime I even tiptoe around the idea of bringing up something that I need in our relationship, my partner is immediately on the defensive, right? That sets the sets a tone in the relationship that says, you know, we're not going to talk about difficult things and I'm not going to bend for you. So I think, you know, as much as you can cultivate this humble openness to one another to have safe communication with one another. And I feel like you do that by the things that you say to one another, things like like a question, man, my husband asked me this once on a date where I felt like we, we had really little kids at the time. And it was one of our first dates uh, in a while. And we finally like settled in, you know, it takes a minute to like settle in, you're not awkward. And he's like, is there anything you need from me that I haven't been doing? And I was like, that's the best question ever. Because I mean, at that point, when he said it, it wiped everything away. I was like, no, you're perfect. Right. So like, it's like, even that question was like, so good for me. So I was like, oh, that's all I needed. But you know, it gives me permission to and, and would give your partner permission to like, actually, you know, I would love to hear from you a little bit more, even if it's like a good morning text or whatever. So I think that's one really practical way to keep communication open and positive. And I think like, you know, when they're home, when you have more ins and outs and transitions, you almost have to be a little bit extra intentional about your relationship. And so I think that, you know, I always think this is a good idea for any couple, but especially when you have a lot of transitions is to have regular check-ins with each other. I'm all about the check-in, check-in with yourself, check-in with your partner. We check in with our kids. That's like the one place we really do it pretty regularly. Even if it's not mechanical, we do it though. So check in with your partner and, and touch base. Hey, that last time I was gone for 30 days, like what was what went well about that for us and what do we want to do differently the next time have an attitude of something always needs tweaked in our relationships i'm sure that i don't know i'm i'm speaking very unintelligently right now about this but like are there like debriefs or after a fire or something right like why cuz they want to say what do we do well what needs to change like what right like we need to have better communication in this portion of it. Like they probably touch base on all that stuff, but we don't translate that same mentality and skill set to our most important relationships. And we need to. And so debrief, debrief when they come home, talk about improvements that can be made and make a plan for them. So good. So good. Person who's not in it gets it. Like, yeah. Yes. So good. So, so good. validating. It's so validating. <laughs> What resources do you offer couples? For couples, we have um, a lot of paid resources. So we have a couples course. We have a course that's very, very affordable called How to Have a Happy and Thriving Marriage After Kids, which is a really good one. I have actually a course for women about sex and relationships. So we have tons of resources on our website, My Love Thinks, and then there are also free resources. So I have this bundle of four eBooks for moms. And one of them is how to navigate the conversation around the mental load. This is the issue that I find that women come up against every, every time I talk to a woman about the mental load, it's like, they just get defensive or I don't know what to do when they do this. And so it's a really robust resource. I recorded it in audio too. So you can just listen to it. And that is offered for now for free, as well as a goodbye mom guilt guide, scripts to use when you're burnt out, and then 30 ideas for recharging when you don't have any time. And that is all free. You can find it on my website, um, mylovethinks.com. It's right in the main header or on my Instagram, which is Dr. Morgan Cutlip, all one word, no period. And so yeah, there's there's tons of resources there. Okay. 
I love, love, love. Tell us about your book. Yeah, so my book is coming out September 19th, 2023. It's available for pre-order right now. And I'm really excited about it. I feel like the, I mean, maybe you got a flavor for me on this podcast, but the book is like, it's like having coffee with a friend who has credentials. So you're going to get like, it's easy to read. Almost every point I demonstrate through a story about my my mothering or our family. And it's like super easy to consume, but it's practical. It's research-based and informed with psychological principles. So it gives moms a five-step plan for managing their relationship with themselves so they can deal with mom guilt and they can prevent or recover from burnout and really feel whole in motherhood. And that love your kids without losing. Sorry. Yourself, yeah. I should say the name of the book. It's called <laughs> love your kids without losing yourself. <laughs> That's kind of the important part, but it's That's the important uh, part. Yes. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Okay. Are you ready for the hot seat? Do you know what the hot seat is? No. Okay. If you've never listened to the podcast, this is the time in the show where we ask our guests a series of random candid questions to get to know you a little personally and you just spout out whatever comes to mind it doesn't you don't have to think a lot no you don't know they're easy questions probably okay. what's your starbucks order or your coffee order oh gosh okay i had to give up coffee and then i started drinking green tea and i drank so much green tea that i gave myself acid reflux and so i literally am off of gall caffeine but now i want starbucks but I would get a latte before. Oh my gosh. Isn't that the lamest story ever? No, that's sad, actually. Sad. <laughs> I don't know what I would do if I couldn't oh. drink coffee. I know, because you know what? I would get excited about waking up in the morning just to have coffee. So my one substitute is I make a coffee smoothie now. It's like they have this coffee protein. It's amazing. So Yummy. So I don't go to Starbucks um, like the one person in the country who doesn't. So I actually prefer another brand, but we won't say it here. But, um... <laughs> Why? Why can't we say it? No, oh, I, I love Phil's. I don't even know if I've been to a Phil's. Wait, who? Phil's. Phil's. P-H-I-L. Is it double Z or one Z? I never can remember. Their coffee is the best because like you, I have the worst acid reflux. And mm. so I get my coffee. I'm the biggest coffee snob. I, I get my coffee delivered from Santa Cruz coffee. Chelsea, have you ever had it? Uh, Santa Cruz coffee? No, I've had Verb. Oh, Verb is delicious, but it gives me acid reflux. Yeah. So Starbucks gives me reflux heck of bad. But anyway, so Santa Cruz has this blend. It's called Heart of Darkness. My husband makes fun of me because he's like, oh, it's named after you. Like, <laughs> that's his joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but it's so good. And I just have it delivered every month. But when we go out to coffee, which is rare, we have a fills that's local and it's the best. Hmm. The best. Oh, no. Now I want coffee. What is one question you wish we would have asked you and how would you have answered it? I'm the worst at these questions. Honestly, <laughs> whenever they end an episode and they're like, what do you want to leave our listeners with? I'm like, I don't know. Don't ask me that. I just talk for an hour. <laughs> okay. Let me think. That could totally just be your answer. That could be your answer. Probably my unfiltered response would be like, what do you want to leave our listeners with? And I'd be like, I wish you wouldn't have asked me that. No, I love that. Actually, yeah. that's so funny. Okay. What song do you play to shake it off when you're having a bad day? Oh, so my son is really into Guardians of the Galaxy, which he's little, so it's probably inappropriate. But we listen to that soundtrack so much, and I'm obsessed with it. So, like, Spirit in the Sky or the Jackson 5 song. I can't think of it. Or <laughs> so Ain't No Mountain High Enough, that song. Those Love are it. the songs I usually go to to shake it off. 
Yeah. Uh, I love it. We are huge Disney fans up in here. So anything that has anything to do with Avengers or Mm, Marvel is totally Uh, our jam. Give us two books that you think our listeners should read that aren't yours. And tell us why. I said I'll pretty much almost always just read self-help. Siblings Without Rivalry is one of my most favorite parenting books. It talks about sibling dynamics. I think I need to reread it. I find myself like tapping into their concepts a whole lot. I like, I think it might be by the same author, this other book called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen. I really like their techniques. Super good. So practical. So, 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 so good. One of them talks about how you have them draw what's going on mm-hmm. with them. And I remember the kids and I took a trip to New York to visit my sister a long, long, long time ago. And we were just like meltdown mode stage of life. And they had pads of paper and they drew over and over so we could process because they didn't like to talk much. And it was so helpful. And then I'll give one more because my daughter and I are listening to a book series and it's so stinking good. I think everybody should listen to it. If you like kind of like Harry Potter kind of type of book, it's called Nevermore. And we're on book three and it is so good. It's a female heroine and her name is Morrigan. And so it's kind of fun to listen to that too. I feel like I'm in the book, but in the reader, if you do the audio book is so good. Mm, Okay. Nevermore. Gotta check it out. What age group is that? She's in fourth grade. Okay. So our son is seven and he's been listening to it too and loves it. So it just depends, you know, what your kids are into. Cool. This has been so fun. Yeah, this has been great. It's easy. Yeah. Totally. And you gave us so many things to think about. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad. If you're interested in learning more about Dr. Cutlip and her work with My Love Thinks, you can go to our website, mylovethinks.com and follow her on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Cutlip. Thank you for being with us. That is a wrap on our season. We will be back in late August with some more fun. But in the meantime, you can find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast, where we will continue to deliver funny reels and helpful content relevant to first responder families. See you there. If you enjoyed the show today and would like to keep hearing from us in the future, please consider leaving a positive review on your favorite listening apps and more specifically on Apple Podcasts because that helps us reach more people just like you and also encourages awesome guests like Dr. Cutlove to participate in the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at DearChiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000 foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) 